Yeah, sorry, my computer did something weird. All right, ready? Here we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Pro Wrestling Uncut. I am your host, Cole Dawson. And with me, as always, my cohort, my co-host, my tag team partner, Ron Kilborn. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastical, as always. A little bit of an update. I still have not acquired a PS5. But I managed to get my hands on the Series X. So all's rights in the world. We're halfway there. Halfway there on the next gen adventure. I'm so happy. I'm looking forward to that PS5 though. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh it, now if if they can figure out whatever it is that's making them melt, that'd be fantastic. Cause that bothers <laughs> me. I don't <laughs> like I don't want to spend five hundred dollars on a Christmas gift that doesn't work and then I have to wait for a, the next one to become available to receive a replacement. But see, I've been thinking a handful of those reports are scams just trying to try to get people to stop trying to buy them. <laughs> it could be. And, and also, I also think if it is happening, it's piss poor ownership. Because every time I see a video, it's always placed in a corner next to a power supply, which you shouldn't right. do that. Something that powerful. <laughs> or it's maybe pretty silly. Just, or maybe people are just making clickbait videos, just trying to make people to not buy them. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, one of the things as we as we see in all walks of life, whether it be the pandemic or video game buying or elections or politics or whatever the case may be. The interwebs is a fantastical place for misinformation <laughs> and people. I, I, we've let's see. We had the uh, the the one doctor lady that thinks that demons uh, impregnate women. That lady, yeah. Someone made a video based on that lady, and the world believed it. So <laughs> it's. You just mean it's amazing. not true? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the demon scene. That could be a thing. Maybe she's the only one who does know, and we're all the crazies. But I mean, that's how I was told. I got here. <laughs> the demon semen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I 100 knowing your mom, I 100% believe that that was a conversation in your life. <laughs> it was it was she she uh she let me down easy. My dad didn't let her down easy. It was uh it was a bit of a struggle. But hey, speaking of demon semen, we're talking about one of the most famous demons in professional wrestling. Ah, oh, we are. Today we wanted to do a little bit of an Undertaker tribute. So uh, we're going to discuss all things Undertaker. We'll uh, we'll even tag DJ Barbecue in here to give some uh, uh, opinions about the Undertaker. Uh, Thirty years uh, from his WWF debut, he retired finally and hung him up. Uh, I think most of the fans are pretty happy uh, the way the last few years have gone for Undertaker to see him hang it up, but. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple things before we dive into that, because uh, it was just Thanksgiving. 
Um, so first and foremost, I want to ask DJ Barbecue, the champion barbecue, you know, the cook, the world champ yes, here. What did you make for Thanksgiving? I made a wonderful, spicy, sweet, sugary ham with pineapple. And then I made your regular uh, turkey, old-fashioned, put it in the oven, put a little basil leaf on there, some onions and some broth, and let it cook. And then I took it out like I always do and then put it in a crock pot just to keep it moist so it doesn't dry out. And then I had stuffing, turkey stuffing. I had the great old cranberry sauce, and, uh, <laughs> which 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 is ocean spray because you got you can't go wrong with that. And then uh, I had the green bean casserole to top it off, which is the best. So you save that for last, and that was the meal of my Thanksgiving. Who who delicious? Now, I know for a fact that my boy Ron here does not waste space at Thanksgiving on vegetables. Who no. is who is making the green bean casserole the main event? What is this nonsense that th- is going on in the world right, right now that we're talking about green bean casserole Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> well, I mean, to touch on that, this was the first year that me and my wife hosted Thanksgiving. So Jessa cooked everything. And lo and behold, everybody was a huge fan of her green bean casserole. And I was just kind of like sitting over there going, what? Just, <laughs> no. no, you're all wrong. It's like, no. This is the shit. No. And but everything else was the shit too. She made a bacon wrapped turkey. She made some stuffing, mashed potatoes. Yes, bacon wrapped. I said it. Yes. I said it. I'm not I, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I know, I know. I was, <laughs> I was I was just letting your bacon. drooling settle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it smelled like bacon and turkey in the house all goddamn day. Uh she made uh, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, just all the fixings. She made this weird cranberry sauce cream cheese dip shit. Uh, it was ridiculous, and uh, but still, I've been such a good boy that I managed to escape Thanksgiving weekend and lost two pounds. Yeah, <laughs> good man, good man. Who does I, that as a fat guy? You know, one of the things that that was part of my, uh, you know, the weight loss and all that. Um, you, you know, I can't, I just can't pig out at Thanksgiving. So, like, I mean, you know, we we're I'm at the point where as long as I'm active, I'm not going to gain weight. Uh, you know, because I can't eat enough food to ruin my life. <laughs> right. But, yeah, so that was the main goal. And the other thing I did want to touch on, just two quick little things. Uh, no, sorry, fans, we did not do a Survivor Series review because it happened during Thanksgiving week. And both of us, you know, all of us were busy. We all got families. We all got stuff going on. I was traveling. I know I wasn't supposed to, but we were safe. I drove. I didn't fly. So y'all can save your hate mail for someone else that wasn't responsible this holiday season. But <laughs> So we didn't do a Survivor Series review, but, I, but it gets us into the subject that we were going to start about today. Before we talk about Undertaker, are there any Survivor Series thoughts that you had, Ronald? Um, I enjoyed, uh, two of the matches very much. I really liked the New Day versus Street Profits just because I had low hopes. Uh, but it ended up being really good. Uh, and I liked that match a lot. And then the main event, uh, Drew and Roman surprised the shit out of me because I, I went into that thinking, I've seen this match twice already. They did a WrestleMania match, but I thought this was just light years better than both of those matches. They, they told a good story. They gave Drew an out. They solidified Roman as a piece of shit mafia heel. 
And, uh, yeah, no complaints on those two matches. The other matches were just, uh, you know, kind of there. And uh, I um, I even uh, talked to Charles, like, before the show, and he was asking me, like, a survey about match order. And I'm pretty sure I called the men's and Survivor Series match positions to a T. Uh, yes, the girls, yes, you did. I did. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, huh. So <laughs> I called it. Called it very nicely, but uh, I don't think my winners or my mat or my elimination orders were uh, were good. But uh, yeah, no. Long story. Sh- <laughs> long story short, uh, those two matches uh, were the show stevers for me. Um, <laughs> thumbs in the middle show, I would think, for a, for a COVID pay per view for sure. Yeah. Well, I kind I kind of have the same experience you did. It, it, you know, I thought I really was. Su- Pretty surprised with that tag match. It was really a fantastic match. Um, I did, and in the main event, I didn't catch the whole main event. Admittedly, uh, we were doing stuff, family stuff, and I came. You know, I caught the finish. I was good. I mean, I they didn't do anything to hurt my feelings in what parts of the match I did catch. It wasn't like the Hell in the Cell match that Roman had, where I was just like, oh my god, I can't watch his pay per view at all, and. Uh, <laughs> But I, I like Roman as a heel. I think it's kind of loosened things up for him. I think making him a white meat baby face right out the shoot is a it's that's a tough spot to be in if you're that green and you don't have super top heels to work against. And we live in a in a uh, modern wrestling world where we don't have good heels, so it's impossible for someone to be a white meat baby face anymore. And but I think he's doing a great job as a heel. I've liked the storylines. I saw some of the promos. Like I, I think it's light years better than anything we've seen from Roman before. And I think now I'm finally ready to see him as a main eventer, you know, because of this. But before this, it was just like, God, why, you know, he's here, he's nothing. He's boring, he's lame. But so good for him, you know. But the the pay-per-view as a whole was a big bag of whatever. None of these matches had any real build-up. There was no reason to have them. There's no there, nothing is gained by Raw or SmackDown winning this. This is just like the yearly dick measuring contest. Maybe people will watch it and like, cool, but there's no consequences, no rewards. Like, uh, you know, it'd be if they did a stipulation, like if Raw won, then they got to steal the champion and have both champions or whatever, like something interesting. But yeah, there's no yeah. stakes. And it, and even last year, it, it, it did absolutely nothing for NXT to win that whole thing. Uh, I don't. I, at least I don't think so. What 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 was there to gain from NXT just completely demolishing WWE last year? Yeah, and they need to figure out some kind of some. I mean, it, there's got to be something that's you know because Royal Rumble, the worst case, even if Royal Rumble is a shit pay per view, at least it has meaning because it means you're in the main spot at Mania, and that is a big deal and has been a big deal. It's one of the things they've protected. In the business, it, it, to, it's maybe the only thing that still matters is who wins the Royal Rumble because we know who the champion is isn't that important because it could change week to week. So, I don't know. I, I So, that's it. That's for Survivor Series. One last question. Did you happen to see NXT this Thanksgiving week? I did. There was a lot yes, of I familiar did. face. <laughs> yes. Yes. This was the... 
my sister Candice LeRae coming out party as a top guy, apparently, because she had seven segments on the show. <laughs> and so after I stopped, I stopped watching after the, the match, which was two segments. And I was like, okay, that's going to be it. And then I kept hearing from downstairs, oh, I'll take Candice, oh, I'll take Candice, oh, I'll take Candice. And so I had to go back on the DVR, and she did. They did that. Then, then we had the uh, Gargano's uh, Christmas sales pitch. And then we had uh, uh, what I thought was a fantastic in-ring promo. Uh, well, she was on the ramp. Rhea Ripley was in the ring. I thought that was great. And then there was two more backstage segments, I think. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was great to see my sister, the star of the show. <laughs> yes, that was fantastic. And I can, uh, I, I love what I'm seeing develop. You know, she's got a little faction behind her. Uh, she's going to be... Uh, I think she's really uh, taking the reins as that chicken shit heel. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, hoping for good things. She's got to dethrone fucking EO. I've been saying it the last three matches. <laughs> I just like to add that uh, you can tell your brother-in-law that she did the move way better than he did. And it was awesome. <laughs> and I, I popped. I, I texted you about that. I popped because that was smooth. And it was like it had a meaning and purpose. And it was awesome. That's all I did. I just I was excited to see it. I was like, "Woo!" <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy the match. I thought the match was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just uh, how many weeks in a row do you have to have someone's best match with them and it, and not get the recognition and get get that chance? So I, we're all hoping for good things, but it was nice to kind of see my sister get to be the main the the main attraction of a show of a wrestling show on the world in in you know it's just fantastic so and it sounds like she'll be captaining the team for war games yeah yeah she's captaining against uh, Shotzi's team i think they it it sounds like they now well, i don't i felt like they didn't really announce it on tv and they just kind of thought people heard about it and knew, so it was like, okay, cool. But so I, I already I like Shotzi's team because I su I assume EO and Rhea Ripley are on her team now, so it could be interesting. I wonder who the last the final fourth member is. So that'll be something to watch next week. But that's about all the stuff I wanted to talk about before we got into the Undertaker. So uh, this was uh, a brilliant pitch from my partner here, Ronald. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start this and uh, introduce the Undertaker and kind of take this where you want to go, sir. Introduce him. Yeah, well, well he's right here. Have you met Mark? <laughs> oh, but no. He's actually right over your shoulder behind you there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, if, if the light was off, I can, you know, show him how he glows in the dark, but... You know, whatever. But yeah, no, Undertaker, 30 years. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. You know, he, Undertaker's not really talked about when it comes to like, you know, when people have that Mount Rushmore talk. Everyone goes straight to like, you know, the, the, the Hogan's, the Stone Cold's, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. But like, I, I always think, I always think Undertaker is like the fifth one on everyone's list. Uh, and, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, 30 years, one character name in one company, that's not done ever. And uh, I think that alone deserves the credibility that I'm trying to present here, that he really needs to be in that conversation for just at least greatest character of all time. Like, not, we're not talking about, like, money drawing. We're not talking about, you know, sales and shit like that. It's just constant 
top of the card character for 30 years straight. Who else has done it? Yeah, uh, for one company, no, and this is fairly a fairly new thing. I mean, this is not how business was done back in the territory days. Although there were the guys like Jerry Lawler, who was in Memphis his entire career, never left for another uh, territory, was their champion 45 times or whatever it is. So, like, Jerry Lawler is the only other guy you kind of think of. Maybe Vern Gagne, but Vern Gagne started his own promotion after he couldn't get the NWA title and made up his own championship. And, but he was there for 30 years, so he's in very rare company. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to see... Well, I don't even want to say that. I don't think Randy Orton's going anywhere ever. I, I don't think so either, but, you know... You know, it's just it's just crazy that to go from the '90s, and you know, we're talking about WWE too, WWF, WWE, where the attention span is is small for be for the people behind the scenes and for the people in front of the TV. So for a guy with a character that limited in the beginning to last all that time, and then to morph into the American badass, which honestly is when his matches started getting really good. And then coming back to a little middle ground dead man and American badass all the way up till the end of his career. It's just the reinvention talent is pretty spectacular. And just keeping that same gimmick going in the WWF means a lot. And is I don't think will be duplicated unless maybe, yeah, maybe Randy Orton sticks around for another 15 years. Well, no, at this point, 10 years. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> It's just, it, I think another thing that people don't mention is how many other people had those kind of gimmicks at that point in the 90s? Like every, you know, we had a goon, you know, a hockey player, like the Red Rooster, but like all of those shitty gimmicks, there's really only one person that ever made it work. And that's the Undertaker. So, I mean, they're, they're all those guys. Skinner, the Mountie, like anybody that had an occupational gimmick, none of them made it work. And the Undertaker was basically a zombie when he first started. The, you know, he, he had the regeneration powers with the sit-up and all that. And to, to take be that for as long as he was... And for that to stay over, it was probably 10 years he got out of the original Undertaker not really talking to when they did like the Ministry of Darkness where he became more of a person finally. And he got to mm -hmm. cut kind of real promos and actually talk and say stuff. And he got to be a little bit maniacal. And that was a really cool era for the Undertaker. But I think by the time the American Badass came around, it was the perfect time. Like, I don't think the Undertaker gimmick would have survived anymore. And so even then it was like his timing has always been perfect. And and I agree with you. The American Badass era is when he did get to become a wrestler and get to have these fantastic matches. So I like there's no point in the Undertaker's career where I was like, oh, that sucked. You know, or, oh, I wish they didn't do that. Or, like, every single bit of it has just, like, added a layer. And then we got those great matches with Sean and all that after after he came back as a dead man. So, 
Oh, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no. It, every, everything, everything, uh, what you're saying is true. And, you know, it's funny because even the first 10 years he was around, he was extremely limited by the gimmick, but his matches were still good. Like his WrestleMania 12 match with Diesel was, is really good. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he may have had a couple of stinkers, but that gimmick still served its purpose. Like the Giant Gonzalez match, not a good match. Not at all. Not even close. But it, <laughs> no. ser- it served it served a purpose. Everyone ha- everyone sees that iconic image of him with the fucking uh, was it the the falcon or a the, raven the, or something? Yeah, the uh, uh, vulture. I'm the sure. vulture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. Every match he had then moved him forward, and that's really the goal at the end of the day. Then you want to have a good match after that. As as long as someone's moving forward, then it's good. Chuck. I got a trivia question for you. How far can you go down the list and name all of Undertaker's matches without looking at a computer? I can Wrestle, see you. The WrestleMania well, matches? The WrestleMania matches. Right now. This, this was my favorite trivia question to ask, and I, I want you to hear me and go from start to finish. I can see you looking at a computer, so stop cheating. Well, I'm looking at a computer. I'm looking at you guys <laughs> on my computer, so, I mean, obviously, I've already failed. You have. Because uh, so... we're, not, we're not two of them. Uh, Mankind, Kane, Rikishi, Sean. He's already wrong. Stone Cold? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can go, I, can, I think I can go from the start is Jimmy Snuka. There you go. the first one. And then Jake at WrestleMania 8. There you go. And then the Giant Gonzalez was at 9. Loving it. And then he skipped 10, right? He wasn't yes. at WrestleMania 10. No. And then th- this is where it gets a little tricky because I know the opponents, but I don't remember exactly what I want to go. Order, the order matters. <laughs> I want to go. This is where the King Kong Bundy abortion happened. <laughs> there it is. You're going. <laughs> and then 12 was with Nash, right? Diesel. Yes, sir. And then 13 is when he won the title against Sid. Yes. And then 14 is Kane, right? Yes. It pops in my head for some reason. Yeah. And then and then I couldn't tell you this is where about where I run out. I, I 15 I feel I feel like I don't remember an Undertaker match at 15 cuz it didn't happen. Okay. Good. So then we can skip to WrestleMania 2000, that piece of shit. Yes. That's uh, where we, <laughs> That's where we murdered the big boss man. Yes, yes, so that's <laughs> <laughs> and then he was on Raw the next night. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that was terrible. And um, then 17, I believe, was with Oh, this is either the Hunter or the Flair match. I think this is the first WrestleMania match with Hunter. And it yes. was you. And then 18 was with Flair, right? Yes, sir. Okay, that now 19 might have been when he had that what was supposed to be a three on one match, and then it ended up being only a two on one match with Nate. What's that? Was that dude Nathan Jones? Was that the oh, guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, he came but, out and did a sidekick. Yeah, crazy. but I think it was like it was like Big Show and A Train, right? I guess there it is. Oh, it's so crazy. Oh, and then I can't, I can't even. Oh. Oh come on! You don't remember how excited our whole house, how your whole household was at twenty. Oh, the return of the dead man, which means he wrestled Kane, right? Yes. Yeah, that was the second and final match with Kane at Mania. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, wow. So 2021. My favorite WrestleMania. Yeah, because that's Kurt and Sean at that mania. Is this, uh, did he, was this the Orton year? Or was yes. Orton yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is crazy that we're doing this right now. <laughs> we're almost there, buddy. We're almost there. Uh, this is the, mind you, this next one is the one that everyone fails when I ask them this. CM Punk. At 22? Oh, no, we're at 22. Yeah. 21 was Orton, 22. Because 25 is one of the Shans, and I can't remember if it's the first or the second. Oh, <laughs> I think buddy. it's the first. But, uh, okay, so is there a Mark Henry match at Mania? There is. Oh, is it? Is, what, that's going to be 23, though, right? Huh? Or is it 22? <laughs> well, okay. I, I think there, yeah, this has got to be it. I'm going Mark Henry at 22. All right. Thank your Google machine because you're right. <laughs> oh, I'm not Googling. I'm sitting in the dark, <laughs> as you guys can see. <laughs> I yes, just Mark Henry is correct. Okay, and so then next is CM Punk. That early? Oh, so CM Punk's the one after that. <laughs> mind you, mind you, no, no, buddy, you're so early. 22, 22 is when CM Punk rode on the Mafia uh, car for Cena. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, no, but we said 22 was uh, Mark, Mark Henry. Henry, so we're so on you, three. So I, don't, I don't think they gave Punk the Undertaker a year later after being a job entrance guy. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, hmm. That's the only other Undertaker opponent I can think of. My goodness. So, well, you got, to, you got to 22. So, so 23 is? Batista. Ah, the Batista match I don't remember. Okay. Oh, that, that's, Batista's, <laughs> that's Batista's best match. And that was the year when Taker and Sean had that epic final two in the Royal Rumble that year. Yeah. Where they fucking sat up and kipped up at the same time. It was adorable. 24 was Edgeward. Okay, see, yeah, I didn't remember Edge either. Oh, man, they made a vented that year. It was Dorbs. Uh, the next year, the next two years was... Uh, was uh, Sean. Oh, you know what? Yeah, the next two years was Sean, and the next two after that was Trips. Trips, yeah. And then after that was CM Punk. And then after that was... Bray uh, Wyatt. Brock. Brock oh, Lesner. Brock! Yes, Brock. And after that was Bray Wyatt, and then Rose. Then they fed him Rusev and John Cena, and yeah, and then the thing with AJ. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, Rusev though. Rusev was uh, in the Middle East. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, every Undertaker match has been a Mania match for the last decade. So if yeah. you remember one, it's probably a WrestleMania match. Oh, that's right. That wasn't WrestleMania. So Yeah, no, I, I vividly remember Goldberg, and that was not a WrestleMania match. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that match, and we, did, we talked about it on the podcast when it happened, was I felt like it was basically that one botched move away from being a good wrestling match. And so I feel like everyone completely shitting on it, like it was a total just train wreck. It's a little, I feel like that's a little shitty, but it's it like is. if they would have pulled off that tombstone reversal and that was it, it would have been a great match. Like, or not great, but it would have been good. The, the point is that match shouldn't have been the length that it was. It could have been just a little longer than the, than the second Brock and Goldberg match, and it could have been amazing. And See, 
And to tell you the truth, I don't think that botched move is what did Goldberg in. I don't think nobody wants to talk about this. When he headbutted the door at the very <laughs> beginning of his entrance, you can tell on his entrance that he's fucked. Yeah. Like, after, he, after he's walking down the hallway, after headbutting that door, he's busted open and he is like wobbly. And I think they're, I think they control the narrative by saying that that post, that post botch is, is a better out than just idiot headbutting oh, the door. Oh, yeah, but that one seriously gigged him. So, like, oh, I'm sure. It, it was, I mean, if he was, it, even if he did ring his bell a little bit on the headbutt of the door, right? Uh-huh. He definitely definitely concussed himself on the post if he wasn't already concussed he definitely <laughs> did it on that turnbuckle <laughs> yeah yeah no the door the door rang his bell but the turnbuckle yeah. kicked the door down that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh so uh, then let's just go with uh if you had to narrow it down to four or five undertaker moments that really i don't even want to limit it just like let's go Kind of from start to finish, what are what are your highlights for The Undertaker? All right, so for his entire period, because, you know, like I said in previous previous uh, episodes, that, you know, Undertaker basically got me into wrestling. That whole storyline leading up to SummerSlam 94, so right out of the gate, that one. The re-debut of The Undertaker, you know, taking down The Undertaker is right up there. Uh, then we go from there to the freaking casket match uh, that he that he had with Yokozuna that year. The next year uh, was kind of a letdown of a year. That's when he got his uh, eye almost busted out of his face and yes. uh, and had to wear the mask for a bit. And then we get to his feud with Nash, and then we kind of then we start picking things up with the debut of the Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels, probably top five Taker matches. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and probably. Three of the top fives are with Taker. Yeah. <laughs> and <yeah>. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, from there, we go from my favorite storyline he was in was, you know, the, you know, the debut of his brother and the backstory and then them not touching each other all the way until WrestleMania. I thought that was a perfect story and a match that no one talks about, really, just because looking back, it's just two big hosses having a match. But I actually rewatched it and it was pretty badass. Taker does a plancha, and freaking Kane just steps out of the way and just kind of drives him, slam dunks him into the table. And I totally forgot that even happened. And um, yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty big year for Taker because he also had that uh, had that feud with Austin leading into SummerSlam. Um, what was ninety nine? Ninety nine was the was the Ministry stuff. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. He almost embalmed Stone Cold. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. They they got the heat for for uh, hanging Stephanie on the symbol. <laughs> that was one of my favorite segments ever. Like, uh, because I thought it was like one of my favorite Raws ever. Because you have you have Stone Cold and Vince McMahon feuding this whole time, and then they have a little break because uh, like Stephanie gets kidnapped by Taker, and then uh, so Vince goes, who does he go to? He just goes to austin to help him and he ends up helping him and it was kind of a cute little moment takes out the whole ministry uh which was uh a pretty sweet feud for 99 between uh, austin and taker and then that was pretty much they re- they they rode that all the way until he went away for a bit after that first blood match with austin in 99 and uh, came back as the american badass 
during that Iron Man match between The Rock and Triple H. That was pretty cool. And I was kind of like taken aback because I was like, who's this guy? He's like dressed normal. His hair is all like, <laughs> his hair is all bright. Yeah, it's all red. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes out and just starts talking normal. And uh, I was like, okay. Like, I'll, I'll admit, the American Badass, I wasn't digging it like for like the first couple of weeks because I was like, where's my dead man? Then he started having the matches. And I was like, tight. Because he can't really be monotone and, you know, stoic and slow acting like this. Yeah, and, and I, for me, I think the American Badass is the most important run of his entire 30-year run. Not because it was the best or it was the most entertaining, but... I mean, just think some of the matches we got during that time. That's we had the match with RVD. If nobody, if you haven't seen the match he had with RVD, was it for the hardcore title of yeah. all things? Yeah, mm-hmm. Undertaker in the hardcore title picture of you know, go figure that out. But that was like the one of the matches that put RVD on the main event trajectory there. Like it really kind of solidified him. He got to go toe to toe with Undertaker. And it's just really an incredible match. You could tell Takers brought his working boots that day and wanted to go balls to the wall with RVD and make him look great. And it's just I can't remember which pay per view though. So yeah, me either. But I do rem- I do remember that that whole run was important because he made and remade so many people during that run. Remake I I'm talking about Flair. You know Flair yeah. Flair went into that WrestleMania eight eighteen match is just kind of having the occasional match and just kind of being, you know, a, a, a character. But that was, like, the first match where it was, like, brutal and a good, good match. Because at that point, he just wrestled Vince McMahon. And that was, you know, just what it was. But that was, like, the first time where I was like, oh, Flair's, like, badass again. And, you know, he, uh, even Flair will, uh, will say that himself in uh, recent interviews. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think he pretty much made Kurt Angle, you know, as a single star with the series of matches they had during that point in time. Those are my favorite taker matches. He obviously, yeah, he obviously put Jeff Hardy on the map, you know, uh, as a singles guy in that epic raw ladder match he had with him, uh, where he kind of anointed him after the fact that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, what else did he do as the American badass? Oh, he had that five-star concrete crypt match with the Dudley boys <laughs> where he murdered that. Paul Bear. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, now, convinced, I'm convinced Charles booked that. How, how, how important is Paul Bearer in The Undertaker run to you guys? Like, I mean, uh, that's... Do you think it would have worked if he did if he had anybody else... Besides Paul Bear, if he was stuck with Brother Love in the beginning, would it have been the same? I don't think so. I think Paul Bear was the perfect, you know, Paul Bear and Undertaker was the perfect package. I mean, I think his career could have been something, but I don't know to the degree without Paul Bear because it was that perfect, over the top, creepy silliness of this, like, like, old school horror character and then that you get kind of brought down to the intimidating figure to all to to the point where you have to buy what the the silly guy is saying eventually i mean because at the time you would see kids in the crowd that are legit scared or crying and taker was doing nothing and paul bear was doing all the animated shit staring at kids and shit like that so he was kind of getting he was kind of getting more heat for taker while taker was doing nothing and and 
Yeah, I just don't think it would have worked without him. It was the perfect package. Oh, so then I think one of the last things that you touched on is where we think Undertaker's place is in the upper echelon in the history of professional wrestling. And I'll start by saying I think the main reason he doesn't get mentioned in the Mount Rushmore debate, because you can only have four, is that he made more guys and he wasn't ever really the tippy-top guy. Like, there was never a long run where Undertaker was a dominant champion and most of his career... Even when he beat guys, he kind of made them. He was at that level of respect. But I, I like you said, he made Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle and really elevated Sean's career, I think, to the point where there it, it, it moved him up into the top one or two conversation, not just the Mount Rushmore list. But like if you're talking about in-ring work and his body of work, the, you know, the matches with Taker put Sean at the very tippy top of that list where we're only talking about like Flair, Bret Hart, you know, and Sean and maybe a couple other guys when you're talking about that level of work in the ring. So for me, he wouldn't he's not in my top four. I don't even know if he's in my top 10. He's right there, though. Like he's somewhere in that area because just for me. He was never the the guy. He was always the character actor kind of underneath, but it he still gave his level of gravitas to where he's a top guy, but he's like top guy B level, not A plus level. So that's for me. But where is he for you? I mean, I mean the the the, the whole Mount Rushmore thing is subjective because at the end of the day, yes. these are. These are characters on a television show and, you know, and the Mount Rushmore thing, there should be layers. There should be who's the top, who's the Mount Rushmore of the, of draws, who's the Mount Rushmore of technical wrestlers, who's the Mount Rushmore of characters. If we're talking characters, takers on the four list for sure. Oh yeah. As far as characters, because you also got to, you also got to consider him as with work rate too. He's pretty much the only guy where everybody, despite their talent or character, whoever you are, you have to work to him. Yeah. He, it can't be the other way around. He's the dead man. Everybody needs to work to him. He needs to, he needs to be feared. Like, you know, he needs, to be, like he needs to be taken seriously. You can't just go and have a back-and-forth technical wrestling match with him. You can do technical things with him, but at the end of the day, Kurt Angle's got to have an Undertaker match. Shawn Michaels has to have an Undertaker match. Undertaker can't have a Shawn Michaels match. It, it just w- it just would look weird. So I think that is something that should be spoken about too. Is is the fact that his character is so good and his in ring stuff is so good that even the best have to work towards his level. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it's uh, but even then I'll. I'll in the first half of his career, I think that was more true than the back half. Like when he was still just the dead man before he he was the American badass. Like he only had one match and he could only do one thing. Like you know he'd have twenty minutes, he'd go twenty with Yokozuna or something like that, and mm-hmm. you'd get a little more of the Undertaker, but it was still all planned around the gimmicky stuff. 
And then when he did the American Badass, he got, I thought he got to wrestle to everyone else's level, more so to speak. Like, he, he still was Undertaker, and he never left that, which is probably the reason guys like him get more over than, say, like a Christopher Daniels. Because, like, Christopher Daniels goes out there every night, and he does everybody's style because he's the best chameleon I've ever seen in the business. Mm -hmm. But, like... That way, not so like all of he has like the best match possible with that person, and so it almost always feels like that person gets more over than him because it's he always is wrestling their match, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's something else that could be said for Taker, too, is that losses never ever hurt him because he can lose X amount of times, but like if say you know, say like a, a champion. A champion's next challenger is Taker. That's like one of those things where the audience doesn't really know. There, there could be opponents that they feed a champion and like, oh, that's that. Well, that's just a defense. That's an easy defense. But every time Taker is chasing, everyone's invested because, oh shit, he might win this. Yeah, and and I think a big part of that is that he was so protected, and even, there was never a point in his career where it felt like, oh yeah, Taker's probably gonna lose. Like yeah. there was never a point. Where it felt like that, like you know, Ric Flair. You go like, yeah, Ric Flair's doing the job, probably. You're like, yeah, like, yeah. and 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 but and Sean got to the point where it was like, yeah, he might win or lose. I don't know, but I mean, Undertaker, you know, he's gonna win 90 percent of the matches regardless because he was so protected for all thirty years. Like, it was just never that point where it was Taker's turn to do jobs for everybody, which made the streak so fun to watch <laughs> and uh, the the end of it even more fun to watch <laughs> yeah i mean uh, the streak to me is the last real championship in professional wrestling history like i don't it's the last thing that truly meant something that really mattered like i know they keep trying to make the nwa title come back and and make it mean something but it's not the real nwa champion no. and and I think AEW is doing a pretty good job of protecting their champion and making it mean something. Um, because, I mean, the, the uh, Mox has been champ for almost 300 days at this point. Something like that. Right. I know it's over mm -hmm. 250. So I think they're trying to make it mean something. And then maybe, maybe the NXT title was starting to get there where it meant something. You know, Adam Cole with the 400-plus day title reign, but then it changed hands three times in a week, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and then and then poor Finn got he got injured after his after holding it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that belt's a little cursor now. So to me, the last real championship was you get to wrestle Undertaker at WrestleMania, and the streak was the last thing that meant anything because it lasted over 20 years. Yeah, it was a 21 year reign. Like that's 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 crazier than anything. <laughs> and I just I love that it was an accident. Like it that's was. like the most charming part of it is that it was a total accident. It wasn't something they set out to do. Because if they would have set out to do it, it would have been like, oh, seven and one. Look at that, guys. Oh, it was such a good run. But yeah, like because they, he got to like what nine or ten before someone noticed. Yeah, he didn't get to, he was at nine before someone kind of mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, what was it, Michael Hayes, right? I think gets credit for it. Yeah, I, I believe I heard the same thing too. 
Yeah, he just goes, "Hey, buddy, you're you're going to be ten and zero. This is going to be your tenth WrestleMania win." And it, it turned into a gimmick, you know. Yeah. It, and and even then, it was kind of an accident because I don't think they, I don't know if they put it on the broadcast, but maybe Taker, I think, just held up like his hands like ten, and and then it just so that's when they started tracking it. And then I'm just so glad it didn't end in like three or four years. Yeah. I'm so glad it lasted. The only problem I had with the streak ending is that I really don't feel like it did much for Brock Lesnar. Like, it's cool. Like, yeah, it gave Heyman something to make people hate him more because he could say 21 and 1, 21 and 1, ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. And so it helped with the dick. But I'm like, would Brock really have been any more of a or less of a star if he didn't end the streak? No, I don't believe so. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just at that point, who do you give that to, and and who do you, and who do you think's going to carry that pr- successfully? You know, uh, it's just it, it's such a big thing to trust in someone. So I get why they had Brock do it, but also they didn't just like shit on Brock after that either, because at that po- up to that point, Brock was just a regular wrestler. He had a couple of losses, but his next match after that is when he completely ate John Cena. And then every match after that was basically the same formula. So I'm glad that they made him even more unbeatable after he beat Taker at Mania uh, and protected the streak and Brock in that regard. But yeah, no, I, I think in hindsight, I would have loved to see someone get made with uh, with that with ending that streak. Like I feel you now I, I could throw a million names out there, but, uh, you know, I, I could see why they went with Brock. And now, as always, anytime Brock Lesnar's name is mentioned, Charles gets a little itchy under the collar. So I'm going to tag him in here for a minute. Uh, what are your comments about the streak ending and Brock Lesnar and, and whatever else you want to say right here, Charles? Uh, quoting the last special that they had for the final ride of The Undertaker, uh, he did say and put it out there that the way the match was going to end was the Taker was supposed to win. Up until he got to the arena, he got approached by Mr. McMahon himself, and that's when he knew that the match was going to change, the finish was. And he felt, personally, that he didn't think that Brock needed it because Brock was already a star at that point anyway, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to, you know, say, okay, well, whatever, but that if that's what the boss wanted, that's what the boss was going to get. But he was completely adamant, even talking with the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold, he was adamant to say that Brock didn't need that win. I That should have been for somebody else that wasn't at that pinnacle at that point of Brock's career. So they could have boosted him up and made another star. But it is what it is. So tying into that, you know, you know, 2013, I think this is the perfect final question uh, for this episode. Take it back to 2014. Take it back to 2014. And who would you think... Who do you think should have broken the streak? Now, mind you, this is the year they're making Daniel Bryan, so we can't we 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 can't put him on there because right because that same night he's defeating all of Evolution for the title. So, you know, you can't you can't make someone harder than that. So, I think at that point, the only other answer would be Daniel Bryan, but he's already being made. So, who do you guys got to break the streak that year? 
2014 is a little difficult. This is where like all the years run together for me. <laughs> and so, I mean, obviously my case would be like, cool, what's going to get Brian more over than Nexus or <laughs> beating Undertaker at Mania? I go, we'll find something else for the Nexus to do. But uh, it was this before or after the pipe bomb promo? This is this is after the pipe bomb promo. The yeah, was, punk was punk was gone by now. Okay, that's what I was gonna get at. Because if CM Punk's not there, it becomes a difficult choice. Um, but I guess uh, let's see. Where is the Shield in their in their evolution at this point? In 2014, two, are they just making it on the scene, or are they not even there yet? They're no, they're two years in. They're about to break up in, in four months. Okay, so this would be the point where you could decide to make one of those guys a star. Okay. It, it, so I think if it was me and I was going to end the streak, I would have done something with the shield if I had to at that point. At that point. Although if the shield's there, that means that Bray Wyatt's probably not too far off. So that was my guy. Yeah. So it would either be Bray or someone in the shield. I personally, from the get go, I was a Dean Ambrose. It was going to be the star of that crew guy. So that would be my pick. But uh, I'd be fine with Seth. And if they were going to go with Roman, no matter what, this would have been a good jumping off point, I guess, as good as any. So mm. it would. So someone from the Shield or Bray Wyatt. If I can't have Daniel Bryan, yeah, I would have gone Bray Wyatt too. I, I would. I would have uh, had him not go for Cena that year because that's when that's when his momentum ended. Is when he lost to Cena, and he had the perfect 2013. He debuted in like. Uh, he debuted after Mania with the family, and they were dominant and scary and over his shit. And I thought that would have been a fantastic, uh, you know, uh, win for him at Mania. And they could have made it good too. They could have had the family fucking screw him over, and just make it, you know, give Taker an out, but also make Bray in the same at the same time. Yeah, that's my pick for sure. Uh, that that uh, backwoods swamp version of Bray Wyatt being anointed that that year. All right, so before we end this up, I just want to ask you, Charles, Mr. DJ Barbecue himself, Thank uh, you, sir. where where is Undertaker in what what has his career meant to you? Where does he kind of rank in your all time? Uh, you know, just a couple minutes. Uh, all time, he's up there with the uh, of the greats. Uh, you have uh, Hogan. Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, Ric Flair, um, up there with the the top ones that have done a lot for the business. Now, I would probably put because of the money drawn and everything else with that, with Stone Cold first, Undertaker second, because he was able to make a lot. Actually, not even have Undertaker personally just by himself at second, because that's kind of a huge list, because you had The Rock. You had Stone Cold, you had Undertaker all making, and that was just a different class in itself that was there at that time. So, but I would put him up there definitely with the with the high generals of the uh, professional wrestling world. All right, so uh, thanks, Ron, for pitching this idea. I, I love me some Undertaker. Oh, there's the glowing Taker. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not that great. 
<laughs> it's yeah, it's not that great on camera, but uh, maybe charge it up for a bit. So, uh, just to put a bow on this thing, uh, Ronald. Um, yeah, f closing thoughts on the Undertaker. What you got? Oh, did we lose Ronald? Oh, we probably lost Ronald. No, oh. you didn't. I'm back. Yeah. Cool. So we'll take that again now that you're back. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has technical difficulties while we're recording sometimes. Take <laughs> two. So I just wanted to give you the floor for the last couple minutes of this discussion and just uh, put a bow on the Undertaker, Undertaker's career, really. It's been a hell of a ride, pun intended, uh, 30 years, and I was not bored at all. And uh, one of my favorites you know, uh, got me into the wrestling business as a fan, uh, for sure. And I will always rewatch his matches. Uh, and yeah, perfect career. I can't, uh, well, what else do you say? That's a perfect career. <laughs> well, for that, with that, uh, thank you, Ron, for being here. Thank you as always, DJ barbecue. And, uh, you want to give them the, uh, social medias there, Mr. Uh, Charles, where they can find us, like, and share, listen to more podcasts and such? Yes, you can find us on all your podcast platforms. You can also go and add us on Twitter at Kodai Radio Network with WK capitalized, or Uncut Live, or Pro Wrestling Uncut. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on YouTube, which would be Kodai Radio Network Podcast. Find our videos, our little reels. DJ Barbecue does a lot of stupid stuff on TikTok. You'll laugh. It'll make you cry. Probably it'll get you pissed off. But neither or less, go subscribe. Go get our subs up. Please, thank you. And make sure if you want some merch, because we'd appreciate that support, because we're independent, go to bonfire backslash store backslash Kodai Radio Network backslash and enjoy those goodies on the store. Lots of backslash in there. It's good stuff. Backslash. But that did, <laughs> the social media plug did remind me of one thing that is just be uh, embarrassing if we didn't talk about Mike Tyson versus uh, Roy Jones Jr. over the weekend. Did you get to check out the fight, Ronald? I did not. I did not. I saw highlights. I, I'll be honest. Once I found out that there was a no knockout rule, I didn't care anymore. Well, that was a fake. That was fake news. That, yeah, that, <laughs> oh. that, that, that was not true. Really? I mean, I don't know how you could have a fight and not knock. Try yeah. to. I mean, no, they were throwing, man. Like they, they, they didn't hold back. It was just. You, you could tell that they're in their 50s, you know. <laughs> you could tell they hadn't <laughs> fought in a while. And uh, it's a good thing that they were two-minute rounds because I think three-minute rounds might have killed Roy Jones there. But uh, it was well, it so much. It was Nate Robinson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, hey, you know what the NBA stands for right now? What's that? Never box again. Oh, my goodness. All right. So you're back on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this actually was a really fun boxing pay-per-view. They did a great job booking this. The first fight was like two young kind of up-and-comer guys, so they went out there, went balls to the wall, had a great fight. The second fight was an established champion, Badu Jack, like he's a draw. Okay, good fight. And then they had a celebrity boxing fight, which was amazing, where we had an NBA player, Nate Robinson, fighting a YouTube sensation, as what my children tell me. His name is Jake Ryan, and uh, an, a professional athlete got knocked out by a YouTuber hard, like went to sleep face down on the mat. 
And then Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones was so much better than I had any expectations for. It was so much better than it had any right to be. And it was just fantastic. But the <laughs> so I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, we'll work something out. I got. I think I have it on the Fight Network, so I've got replays for a while. So we'll get it done. I'll but check it out. This tied into some one of the, our favorite tweet of the week. Uh, again, this week was from the Iron Sheik. Uh, do you want to do a little bit of Iron Sheik to kind of give us an idea of what he was tweeting about, Ronald? Well, I think that I just we we leaving money on the table. Me and Hogan, if we go get in the ring like a Jacob Paul and a Nathan Robinson, we leave money on the table at Tui. I, I fuck you if we lose all that money. Oh, thank you, Iron Sheik. <laughs> and so, so uh, I, I, th- I feel like Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are a little better shaped than the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan. So, uh, I, I, I don't think this fantasy rematch is going to happen, you know, 35 years, 36, 37 years later. So we'll just have to leave that to memory and maybe fantasy book that one of these days. But uh, thank you, Iron Sheik, for entertaining us. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we will be back with you next week when we'll be talking about something. We're still figuring it out, too, ladies and gentlemen. Like us, tweet us, tell us what you want to hear. If you like the fantasy stuff, let us know. We can fulfill all your fantasy requests. Ah, ah, ah. Every single one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Maybe you want to hear more interviews? Let us know. Get on the Twitters. Facebook us. We'll, We'll talk right back to you. Like, we don't have someone operating our social media for us. So, you'll be talking straight to us, guys. So, uh, yeah, so until next week, this is Cole Dawson with Ron Kilborn and DJ Barbecue saying thanks for listening and have a good night. Mwah. Is it your dream to become a professional wrestling superstar, manager, or referee? Well, you can make that dream a reality by training with Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Learn from former WWE superstar and NXT coach Eugene Nick Dinsmore. Classes are training right now, so go to MidwestAllPro.com and click on training to enroll today. (laughs) Greetings, wrestling friends. I'm Ron Kilborn. Catch me every week as the new co-host of Pro Wrestling Uncut, only on the Kota I Radio Network podcast. Join myself, Cole Dawson, and DJ Barbecue as we discuss all things professional wrestling. And I got one question for you. Whose house? Ron's house. Kota I Radio Network is brought to you by Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Get to MidwestAllProWrestling.com and get tickets today. Remedy Brewing Company. It's the cure for what ails you. Get one high barbecue. Check on that barbecue makes barbecue so good. Mm-hmm. It'll put a smile on your face. And Kodai Radio Network is powered by KBack.rock. Rock radio the way rock radio should be. Go to KBackRadio.com and listen today.